0: If you're interested in joining me for the Herbal Oils and Salves Challenge, then go to homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash herbal oils. Again, that's homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash herbal oils.
1: Hey you guys, this is Josh and Carolyn with Homesteading Family and welcome to this week's episode of the Pantry Chat, Food for Thought.
0: This week we are talking about how to finance your homestead.
1: Yeah, we've been getting a lot of questions about buying property, whether to go into debt, just kind of how to go about it in general. So we're going to share some of our thoughts with you on that. All right, but first we've got to have a little chit chat -chat. and catch up with what's going on here at (laughs) Riverbend. And uh, so what is going on with you right now? What are you up to? Are you still in a pickle?
0: Or a jam? I'm still in both a pickle and a jam here in the kitchen, (laughs) but now I'm also in uh, the pressure pot.
1: You're in a, (laughs) you're in a, she is, she's in a pressure cooker trying to get this class released for you guys by September 1st.
0: Well, yes, so we have the dairy class and I am working, working, working on that. I'm so excited, you guys, it's coming together so amazingly well. And if you are at all interested in making dairy at home, you really, really want to be on the wait list for this class because there's fun stuff happening on the wait list, but the class, you guys... This is like the class on the internet for making homemade cheese in a practical way. I don't even think there is another class about making it like hands-on, practical, like you gotta get this done and uh, get it wrapped up because you've got a lot of other things going on in your life type of practical.
1: And did we mention there's a wait list?
0: And And if you wanna get
1: the best (laughs) price when we release it, you gotta sign up down there. So if you haven't done that yet, Get in there and get on this. There's a bunch of free goodies in the meantime between the time you sign up and the release of the class. Yep. I think you're doing a live event in
0: there. Yes, I am. I'm going to do a live training. A live where training. We're really going to dive into yeah. a lot of the the requirements for home dairy.
1: Yeah. So, so don't don't miss this. This is a one-time event between now and September 1st. Yeah. And so if you're at all interested in dairy, um, doesn't matter where you live, what you're doing. Um, you can do homemade dairy and
0: you know what I'm excited about right now that I'm working on uh, this week for you guys in the dairy class is I have crafted a way to just take a few kitchen items and make a cheese cave so you can actually age cheese with my cheese cave. You might have everything you need in your kitchen. If not, they're just a couple of basic items you can find wow. at, probably find at your grocery store, definitely for a few dollars online. So I'm really excited about that. I'm filming that video for you guys this week. It'll be in the cheese class, in the dairy class. So that's a really exciting. And we just worked out a deal with um, New England Cheese Supply Company for yeah, the kit right. for all of the things that you need for the class. Um, at really good discounts. I'm really excited because we'll get to get you guys saving a lot of money too to get all the stuff. So anyways, I have been working on that and been having a lot of fun with homemade cheese caves and cheese presses and DIY stuff. So that's been on my list. But aside from that, We've been picking green beans and canning green beans green and beans eating are in the green garden. beans. <laughs> oh, man. We're eating a lot of green yeah, beans right now. They're amazing and wonderful. So. Well, it's
1: a fun flow of the garden, too, is just the, the different things that come into season. Yeah. And it's a lot of work, but all of a sudden you're flush in a lot of something fresh that you haven't had yeah. in a long time, right? We haven't had fresh green beans. Since uh, last year. Since last year and um, so it's really exciting to go through those. I'm excited for the corn. We got a few weeks for the corn yet, but that's always one of my favorites in late summers when the corn comes in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, But yeah, green beans,
1: pickles, tomatoes are starting to trickle in. We're slow up here on tomatoes, but I saw you had a bowl full.
0: Yes, you guys remember how I was doing that experiment this spring with the early short season tomatoes? it definitely worked we're eating tomatoes this year earlier than i think we've ever had tomatoes Mm
1: -hmm. in this
0: location in in this uh cold climate growing um and those were the glacier the subarctic and the siberian varieties i kind of sourced all over the place to get these Um, so if you live in a cold climate try these varieties next year because I already have tomatoes it's exciting <laughs>
1: <laughs> a lot of folks out there are like what are you talking I know, about we've you guys been in tomatoes, have tomatoes, in tomatoes June. for weeks yeah it's just tough in, the, in in our northern environment and even our little microclimate here it just we'll have 80 90 degree days and 40 degree nights yeah so even right in the hoop the house the tomatoes do not like that yeah. it stresses them yeah. and it slows down production so it's great to be finding some varieties that will tolerate Absolutely. that time to start seed saving those and acclimating yep. them to land, our... Land racing them to our environment. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely.
0: Well, Good. what about you? What have you
1: been up to? Oh, wow. Well, you know, I'm on a mission today. Actually, when we get done here, going to pick up a fuel tank. Oh. Um, one of our preps that I've been building this year is fuel storage. Mm-hmm. And uh, we go through here, we go through farm diesel, regular diesel. We need regular gas and we need a non-ethanol, which is usually a higher octane gas for some of our different equipment. And, um, you know, we live out of ways and so if we can buy in bulk and have some storage here and have it delivered, it's actually a lot less expensive and it saves us a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So I'm going today to get, I found a really, really good deal on a thousand gallon tank. <laughs> wow. That is but I mean, super cheap because not very many people want it. So those guys have a hard time selling it. Yes. And so I'm getting a really good price on it. I'm gonna actually have it broken up, take it to the welders, and we're gonna make two tanks out of it. Oh, good. Um, So that's today's event, but I'm excited about that because that's another layer of resiliency here on the homestead, that uh, we can have some fuel stored here. It saves us money, and it saves us time.
0: Yeah, well when you're buying, you know, fuel is just like food. You buy it in bulk, you save money. (laughs) Yeah, and
1: especially at the right time of year. Certain things are seasonal, and fuel's definitely one of those things that's seasonal now isn't the best time. Price wise, because it's summertime gas prices are usually up. Yeah. But as we get into fall and winter, then we'll really fill those up. And um, so that's a big deal. Very excited about that. That's part of the infrastructure that we're working on here at Riverbend to just build up for us. What else? Um, compost. I'm turning my compost pile now. It's about 30 cubic yards every other day.
0: Wow. And, so, uh, so you're getting out there with a shovel and flipping it?
1: And... <laughs> <laughs> Is that why I've been walking? Is that
0: why you're back my back?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Thankfully we've got a tractor for this scale and um, we're adding a little bit to it every day from the barn waste. We're having to have the animals a lot closer to the barn this year because of the heat and we're having to hay feed them, so it's generating actually extra um, waste from the wood shavings and manures, but it's adding to the compost pile, so um, that's really good. Yeah. And I'm working on getting it finished this year and seeing if I can accelerate that and do more of a thermal compost on this scale, make sure we're killing the weeds. I felt like we got a few weeds in our compost last year from some of the things that we composted. So I'm trying to get those heat levels up. If you can get it up to 150 in that range, 155 it will start to kill weed seeds and break down any inorganic compounds. Yeah, We shouldn't have any of that in there, but um, that's a good thing. So yeah, yeah, doing that and prepping for animals. I think we mentioned we're going to have Cooney Coonies coming.
0: Yeah, the pigs. pigs. These are
1: non-rooting pig. I'm really excited, but I thought we were probably not going to have to get them here until late october november and it sounds like (laughs) they're gonna get here a bit earlier so pressure's on to get that area the barn set up for them
0: now we've done a uh, lot of episodes in our life where we've brought the animals in before we've completed the fencing don't do that it's a bad (laughs) idea just just saying it's a bad idea so we're working on the fencing
1: now yeah that, that was my number <laughs> one answer hey you guys there's a podcast gonna be coming out it's not out yet called homestead stories
0: oh good
1: and uh a new, new podcast a new podcast not by us by okay. a guy named frank foreman and we'll tell you about it when it comes out and uh i got to go carolyn was too busy but i got to go and uh do that and that was one of his questions was one of the um you know Biggest mess ups, biggest challenges oh. you've had. And for us, one of them has been getting the cart before the horse and getting into <laughs> animals and projects before we were ready. And um, it takes up a lot of time and resources. Yeah,
0: I, I would imagine that we're not the only people who struggle uh, with that. I, I think that's
1: a homesteader I think, Yeah, mentality. that's like a, you
0: might be a homesteader if. Right, you yep. know, You find a great price on some animal yeah. and you buy it before you figure out the housing. Um, <laughs> it's
1: also a problem.
0: Have you done that? <laughs> share that. Share your story in the comments and let us know. We're yeah. not the only crazy people out there, but no, we are man. learning. It's taken us a few lo- years, but we're,
1: absolutely. We're yep. You, you learn best <laughs> from your mistakes, right? Yes. It's good if you can learn from somebody else's mistakes. That's wisdom, but a lot of us are hard headed, yeah. and and so we get to learn from our own mistakes.
0: Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully oh. you'll
1: learn from our mistakes. Yes. Again, that's wisdom. Do that. And get it, get going a little faster than we did. Okay. Right.
0: So we have some questions of the yeah, month. Yeah, yeah, a couple of questions week. Okay. Questions of the week.
1: All right. So we've got a couple um, of them here. And then
0: we will get into the main topic. So if you're in a hurry, you you're can. You're impatient, and you don't yeah.
1: like all this chit chat stuff. Some you know. people don't
0: like the chit chat. Hit
1: fast forward. It's time stamped for you.
0: There you go.
1: Yeah. We get it. All right. Sacred mommyhood asks on feeding hungry boys. Um, oh, this is a dairy class question, okay. okay. Once we purchase the class, will we have access to it permanently? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's the should big be, question. she be
0: moving in the middle yes. of it. Yes, once you purchase one of our classes, you get access to it uh, forever. You get permanent access to it. You can even
1: download it, not just the PDFs, and there's going to be a ton of those in there and guides and stuff, Mm -hmm. but the videos, you can actually download them to your computer, so you own it, it's yours. This this is not a membership or a subscription, this is a class and it's yours. Yes, absolutely. Good, good question. Okay. uh,
0: And just so you know, we do continue to answer questions. It's not one of those classes where it's like we answer questions for the first three weeks or six months or something, and then stop. Um, We continue to answer all questions in all of our classes all the time. So So you you always have full student support in the classes. You've
1: got ongoing support. And we're even going to beef that up before too long. That's a major secret. But it's coming. (laughs) It's coming, and it's pretty exciting. Okay, Old Joe asks, on the number one carrot germination hack, What is the difference between lightly tilling an established garden and a broad fork? Um, Interesting question. I don't know about lightly tilling. Tilling is tilling, really. And, you know, tilling the ground is when you're going to turn it up and you're mixing up the layers of soil, usually down six, eight inches, maybe a little bit deeper, depending on your machine. Mm -hmm. And so that's really what tilling is doing. And that is something we want to reserve for one-time events. We don't want to do that every year and mix up the soil ecology and disturb everything. So there's not really a light to it. I mean, you could call it shallow, maybe. You could do a shallow till or a deeper till. But either way, you're mixing up the soil and that has some issues, but actually the bigger issue to tilling is that in that rotation, the way those blades work, it scrapes the bottom of the depth, whatever the depth is, and it starts to create a hard pan in your soil. Okay and doing that every year starts to create a layer that makes it very hard for the roots to penetrate. So you might get down eight inches, 12 inches, if you can really get deep, um, but you're, you're creating a hard layer under there that makes the plants have to work harder it can sometimes hold water and not let the water drain. There's a variety of problems that come from that and it's not good for your soil. And so it's a great start if you need to kickstart something, what we call disturbance in permaculture in a one-off event. And I'll do that on a lot of gardens. First time we're getting in there we'll till it and loosen everything up. But then we're done. We put that away and we're not coming back to that. And that's where the broad fork comes in. And so how the broad fork is different is it does not mix up the layers It's got long, strong fingers or blades that go down deep, some of them up to 16 inches, and you can work that and you're layering and loosening the soil up. So it's the opposite of that tiller that that creates this hard pan, Mm -hmm. and it is breaking the soil up down deep and allowing air and water to penetrate and therefore your roots and your plants to penetrate deeper down. And that makes a big difference both to the carrying capacity of the soil for water and oxygen um, and carbon as well, along with the ability of those plants' roots to really grow out and find the nutrients that they need.
0: Mm. There you go. I like it. Yep. Good.
1: Okay, Martin Lone on Make the Crunchiest Pickles Ever. Okay. I read about only closing jars finger tight when I first started canning. What does that mean? Does it mean not very tight? Does it mean that some would use a wrench to tighten them if not warned against the practice? I thought it meant not very tight and I would regularly have one or two jars out of a batch that didn't seal. I then started tightening them as tight as they would reasonably go. I assume with your hands and without a wrench. And since then, I've not had a single jar that failed to seal. Okay.
0: Got it. Well, I, I think you've got it right. The finger tight is meant as tight as your hand can kind of tighten it without wrenching with your whole shoulder and elbow and everything else. You don't really want to get that involved. The reason for this is that in the canning process, the steam has to actually leave the jar. So you actually have to have enough movement in that lid that the steam can push the lid up just a little bit and escape and that's how it creates that vacuum that sucks it down. The um, challenge is that yes people do things that would be the equivalent of a wrench either they get their strong husband to come in and you know crank that down or they really get all their their weight into it and it will completely seal To where they can, the steam cannot escape, and what will happen is you'll dome your lids, which will then ruin your seal. So it'll push all the way up. Luke just came to visit. Luke Luke, Luke, the dog likes to come join in on video (laughs) sessions. Um, So on the other hand, like you've experienced, if you don't put it on tight enough, it Mm -hmm. won't seal properly. So it's kind of that balance of like, yeah, reasonably tight. What your hands can do to reasonably tight is a good is a good thing to do. Cool. If you're getting jars just not sealed but no doming, try tightening them down a little more than you've been doing. And if you get any buckling or doming on the lids, um, you're tightening them way too much and back off.
1: Good gauge. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah,
0: there you go. Cool,
1: right on. Well, that's the questions for the day. Okay. And so getting in the topic in how to finance your homestead. And um, disclaimer, we're not bankers and we're not financial consultants. Um, advisors but we have bought a lot of property. I have consulted with a lot of people buying property, so uh, we do have some direct experience and a lot of um, observation here, along with good and principles. And it's
0: always a lot of opinions. And uh,
1: no lack of opinion. And um, and this is this this topic is spurring out of quite a few questions over the last year, actually, in buying property. And we've got one here today about somebody that's got um, large chunk of cash, and should they you know, buy property outright? Or should they take a mortgage so that they can then use some of that cash to, um, you know, take care of some other infrastructure on the homestead? Mm -hmm. And and those are all really, really valid questions. This is a great discussion and really that's what it is. It's a discussion because like we say in permaculture, you know, it depends. You know, how are you going to go about financing and setting up your home? It depends. It depends on your situation. Mm -hmm. But we can explore some things and see if we can shed a little light on that. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: great. Good.
1: Okay. So, you know what? Um, I think if you can stay out of debt, that is the best scenario.
0: Yeah, that's that's always best. That's going to set you up for... Feeling a lot more relaxed, right? Yeah, being able to have a lot less pressure on you, but it also means that you can roll the money that you would be putting into that mortgage into other things on the homestead or just other life things.
1: Yeah, so debt free is the best scenario,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you know, but obviously that that's challenging. So that's one extreme of a scenario and an ideal one. You know, the other one is going to deep into debt, which we don't want to do. But a lot of people don't have the cash on hand to just go do something. And so it's a barrier to entry. And Mm -hmm. so can you use a mortgage? Can you use that type of debt? No credit card debt, no burying yourself there. All right, let's stay away from that but can you use that to help yourself get established and and that is very viable it can be with Mm -hmm. responsibility and things done well and good decisions right and there's a lot of there's a lot of room in between right how much you put down and this is where i think the thought comes into how do you approach getting established using the resources that you have most people are probably going to need a mortgage If you're not in that situation, great. Be careful about what you do, though, when you step into a homestead, either way, because it is a money sink. It can be. And, and not in a yeah. bad way, but when you're getting going and depending on, you know, the property that you buy and your scenario, there's a lot to do.
0: Yeah.
1: there is. It takes a lot of time. It doesn't even matter how much money you have. It takes a lot of time. It takes years to get systems up into place. And it takes a lot of resources. And so you've got to try to budget that out and look at what you're doing, what kind of property you're buying, what does it need, mm-hmm. what are the things you're going to do, not just this year, but in the next five years at least.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you get onto that property and you think it's kind of all set up and ready to go. But then, oh, you need fencing. And oh, maybe you need some earthwork to smooth everything out. Maybe you need that barn or that shop or, you know, all those different Mm -hmm. things in order to actually move forward with the projects you want to do. So it's important to keep those things in mind so that you can budget for all of those and consider all those right when you're making these initial decisions.
1: Right. And so that that's where, you know, auditing yourself and budgeting for the future and trying to be realistic about the scenario that you face. And are you buying, you know, new land or Mm -hmm. raw land is what I mean to say. And are you going to build a house? What are all the costs associated with that? And then Putting in gardens, clearing trees, putting in fences, buying animals. Mm -hmm. You really want to budget that out and think about that. And that's going to answer the finance question. You may have a lot of cash, but it may make sense, as this person was asking, to... Put, you know, leverage yourself very well, put a large down payment down, but still take a mortgage rates are historically low right now. And so that you can use some of that cash on hand to get other systems going. And that's, I think there's a sweet spot in there for each person, depending on your resources of what you should do. And also knowing, um, being realistic about your future situation, your employment, your business, whatever you're going to do. Well, your
0: family situation too, because I know there've been times in our life where we have thought... Uh, maybe a little more (laughs) optimistically about what we can accomplish Mm -hmm. than was realistic. And, you know, thinking you're going to buy raw land and then you're going to move on to that land and build yourself a little house with, you know, not spending a lot of money. And while you're doing that, you're just going to live in the trailer or the tent or something like that. You know, if you're in the right place of life, people can make that work. Mm -hmm. Young couple seem to be able to make those things work. Sure,
1: or or an older couple, you don't have a lot of food needs. Yeah. You you're you're happy living pretty simply mm-hmm. and so you don't have a lot of monthly overhead, mm-hmm. but you've got the cash to put in, that becomes, yeah, a pretty nice scenario. You right. bet.
0: But you introduce children into that and all of a sudden everything takes longer and those things that seemed pretty easy to live with when you were thinking about them, you know, when you get into months of hauling water by bucket full to go into the tent it gets really challenging and it slows down everything and and really decreases the morale so you really need to think realistically about what your family you and your family can do and that's going to inform a lot of those financial decisions <laughs> like no we just need to buy a place that has a house on it ready to go you and, know maybe be the answer
1: and we had to work through that buying riverbend here when we were in that transition we'd been in Idaho for a few years we had leased we were ready to buy we were shopping. And, you know, a lot of you guys know I've got a construction background. You know, we've lived in a home that I built and it's very easy to say we wanna build our own own, own home. We can make it just the way we want it. And we know how to do that. That's a skill that we have. However, with the resources, with the family that we have, the size of the family that we have, the journey of doing that, of, you know, buying raw land, developing it, building a home while trying to feed our family and live the homestead lifestyle was daunting and very challenging. And the reality is, is that for us, our food bill, if we were paying cash for our food, is larger than a mortgage. And it's larger than than (laughs) this mortgage. So for us, we had to make a decision where we found that balance in the middle, where we put a good down payment in, still took a mortgage but mm-hmm. we left ourselves resources to continue to develop the property in ways that help us produce the food and the other systems that we need and that's worked very well for us and especially one of those big factors like I said is our food bill yeah and and it's worth it to develop these other systems because it's going to be large for the next decade yeah you know until kids you know start to go on and do other things and it makes a lot of sense to make sure that we can be efficient in other areas
0: mm-hmm. So I wanted to say something for a moment here about infrastructure on the homestead because I know a lot of people right now are reaching out, they're buying a homestead, and they're feeling a sense of urgency. They're seeing supply chains getting a little untrustworthy in the United States, maybe other things happening, and they're feeling this sense of urgency and they want to get onto the property and they want to like start growing their own food as fast as they can. One of the best things you can do in that scenario is to save yourself enough money to be able to put in the right infrastructure Mm -hmm. on the property aside from your dwelling. That is the thing that's going to actually move you ahead most quickly and most sustainably. One thing that we see a lot of people do is kind of move out onto the land and then really bootstrap it, which can be done, but you have to remember that not setting things up the correct way is always going to end up causing you more energy and time in the long run. So if you're feeling a lot of urgency, then one of the great things to do is just make sure you save yourself enough money off to the side to do that fencing. to Maybe to buy a tractor. I know that's a major uh, game changer when it comes to homesteading. If you can have a tractor on hand to be able to help with some work.
1: On the other side, be realistic. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people will go buy a tractor and they could really get by with smaller pieces of equipment. So again, right. this is where this really planning and thinking through what you're going to need over the next several years, Mm -hmm. not just the first year and the infrastructure that you're talking about. And really planning that out and um, people get in a hurry. We get excited. We wanna go. It's like getting that cart before the horse. We wanna start doing stuff and it's hard to wait for a plan. But if you can do your own planning or get a little help with planning and, and think through the next several years and stage out what you're gonna do, And and budget that a little bit that's gonna help you make a good plan as Mm -hmm. far as what kind of property to buy how much to put down you know pay for all of it or you know what size loan you take and where to put all these things that planning is really helpful and that's one of the biggest things like in my consulting that I watch Mm -hmm. is people just want to go they want to go start doing stuff and they don't want to wait to get a plan together and do that thought and It feels faster. It feels like you're accomplishing more when you just jump out there, start taking out trees, clearing for the garden, whatever it is you're doing. And yeah, okay, I'll plan as I go. Well, that's actually the slow road, slow road, because you're going to set yourself back somewhere a lot of times. And so if you can take a season in time and really dive in and plan. Um, which all comes back to if you're doing that well that planning well, then you can budget your finances well and make good decisions about, you know, leveraging what you have, a mortgage or not a mortgage. And you're gonna set yourself up for success and you're gonna find instead of getting two or three years in and hitting this large wall mm-hmm. where where for a lot of people it starts to stop and it gets hard to get forward, you're gonna be able to sustain that journey and you're actually going to get running better faster
0: mm-hmm. that yeah, way.
1: Yeah. And um, I wanted to add, did you have something? No. Okay, on the financing side, something for you guys to think about if you haven't bought land is understanding and talking to uh, um, a mortgage broker, if that's the route you're going, and the lenders in finding out about buying land where you're at. There are a lot of banks that won't lend on certain sizes of property that seem very reasonable to you. Ah, okay. (laughs) Um, We had a problem in Tennessee where we couldn't get a loan on a house in 30 acres. You know, we didn't have that problem here. It was no problem Mm -hmm. on house on 40 acres, but um, there there are different requirements, different states, different institutions do things differently. So that's one of the due diligence up front in financing your property is wherever you're looking, start talking now before you get your heart set on something and make sure you understand what your options are and what they will and will not do. There's a lot of different create. There's a lot of different ways to solve the problem, but you gotta know, yeah. you know, the state that you're in and where you're buying. Um, and another one with that is sometimes go to local banks as well. If okay. you're having a hard time with a larger institutional bank, they may not want to lend on this property in the country because mm-hmm. uh, they just don't like it. Doesn't fit their model. But a local bank who knows the area and knows the types of properties is a lot more comfortable. Uh, working out a deal with you and so find those things out in the beginning as well that's really really important yeah Th- things get shut down sometimes you're looking at 50 acres or somebody was I think they were talking about 100 acres here that can get challenging yeah yeah okay. so anyways uh, do you have any other thoughts
0: uh no not off the top of my head yeah yeah
1: yeah just do your planning and and be smart up front and think it through up front and um, find the situation that works for you get a lot of advice a lot of counsel and plan that out takes a little longer to get going that way but you will be much much more successful in the long run
0: yeah hey you guys check out this video that we have for you on the first five things to do once you're on your new homestead Yeah, when you've gotten there get okay. you started
1: it's been great hanging with you guys and we will see you soon
0: goodbye, goodbye.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pantry Chat, Food for Thought. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review.
0: To view the show notes and any other resources mentioned on this episode, you can learn more at homesteadingfamily.com slash podcast.
1: We'll see you soon.
0: Goodbye.